it, it's because I, I don't care about destroying myself in the process. <laughs> Clearly, you can't hurt me. As you I live in the misery. Like, <laughs> what are you going to tell me that the calves sucked? Like, yeah, I know. It's, it's why I recognize sucking so yeah. well. I, you were, I, I you witnessed were, it. You were willing to 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 embarrass yourself in front of your grandparents. Twitter's nothing. Exactly. <laughs> Twitter's <Yeah>. nothing. <laughs> Oh, boy. He always seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? Welcome back to the Anthony Irwin Show. I'm Anthony Irwin. I am joined today by a good buddy of mine, somebody who we've just kind of come up, I think, at roughly the same time and not exactly taking the same exact steps because the Lakers would never want to connect with me in any kind of way. Whereas with you on your Chase Down Pod, which you record with Carter, the Cavs, it, it's their official podcast. So <laughs> it's just, it's always so wild to me to see all of that. Really happy for all of your guys' success. It's a great show. You guys got to check it out as uh, if you want to, you know, keep in touch with Rajon Rondo now that he is officially a uh, a member of the Cavaliers. How you doing, Justin? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Uh, it, it definitely is weird to be uh, affiliated with the Cavs and, and part of the Cavs media family, but uh, we, we've enjoyed the experience so far. Uh, we, we're almost we've almost made it to a year. So uh, <laughs> fing, fingers crossed that we at least get one anniversary there before they uh, kick us out <laughs> before they realize you're there. Yeah, that, <laughs> it's, I, I mean, we know that shoe's going to drop at some point. It's just a matter of when. I think that's an old like Iris cheers, right? Maybe we all get a, a, a half hour in heaven before God realizes we're there. Like, <laughs> no, I, I think it's a half hour in heaven before the devil even realizes you're there. That, 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 that works too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, we have quite a bit of stuff to talk about because of the Rondo deal. I always am also kind of curious how Cavaliers fans um, experience LeBron's Lakers tenure because like the Miami one was, I think, I think it was a little too fresh. Mm -hmm. um and 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 in all of that i think now with him being with the lakers for for a while now and then he signs the extension and all of that and it's easier to kind of laugh at some of the things that like just follow around lebron so uh we're going to discuss that as well but i i guess we do have to start with rondo rubio was having an incredible season he was legitimately one of my favorite players in the nba so far this year um, the way that he reinvigorated uh, Kevin Love and the, and the chemistry that they clearly had out there. He was like this perfect veteran presence for a very young and up-and-coming uh, Cavs team who, you know, he was that vet who, you know, if he helped on the court one night, great. If he uh, impacted the game from the sidelines in another game, then also fine. Uh, but for the most part, he was also a very productive player he goes down with a torn ACL, and uh, the Cavs basically say, well, we this isn't the long-term fix, but this allows us to maybe have a little bit more leverage, not appear so desperate in trade talks if we do try to pick up more of a long-term fix. Is, do I have that right? 
that's kind of my read on it. Like, it, it's an interesting situation because I, I feel like the Cavs were able to absorb an injury to Ricky Rubio or Colin Sexton. But to mm-hmm. lose both of those both. guys that were high usage, high minute guards, um, mm-hmm. you're, you're left in a tough situation. And, of course, R- Ricky Rubio had to tear his ACL in the first game where Darius Garland was in COVID protocol. So mm. you're you're left with Kevin Pango starting, right? So uh, this isn't a unique situation. Uh, you, you're seeing these types of things happen across the league. Yeah. Um, but to lose those guys for the season, I, I think it put the Cavs in a really difficult position because while Kevin Pangos was really successful in Europe, um, I, I think we're seeing a lot of those physical limitations really impacting his ability um, mm-hmm. to be a point guard that you really rely on. Um, so it, what what I liked about the Rondo acquisition, at least, is just how quickly they moved to address this. Mm-hmm. To, to get someone in place, it's obviously not he's not going to replace what Ricky Rubio is bringing to the table. But it at least buys them some time as we have about a month before the trade deadline to take maybe a little bit more of a patient, uh, patient approach. Darius Garland is out of COVID protocols now. Uh, I, I think Rondo at least buys you some time to kind of assess the situation, see how he fits with the team and move forward from there. Is this the kind of season that you would be comfortable going all in on? Or do you do you like the timeline here is interesting because they are so young. Like, yeah. Evan Mobley is a rookie and he's doing incredible things regardless of what age that he is, but he is still a rookie. And yeah, he's 20. You know, <laughs> that you have uh, Darius Garland, I believe, is in his what, second or third year? And, third year. And, and then so, you know, and, and, and so on and so forth from there. It's still a very young team, but it's also a really, really good team. So I could understand why they would say, no, you know what? We can push some chips into the, into the middle here. Where, yeah, where and- do you stand? I think, and honestly, like Rubio going down is maybe a good reminder of this. Like it's a painful one, but it's a reminder that you can't really talk about the future with any level of certainty, right? Yeah. Like you can have a good young core and things can fall apart. Look at Denver. Uh, Mm -hmm. Like they're going through a lot of injury issues and whatnot. You want to be able to capitalize on those opportunities when they come up. So I I think it's going to be a bounce, right? Like I, I think you want to make moves that help supplement the talent of the young core that put them into positions to either fail or succeed. Cause mm-hmm. ultimately like I, I would expect this team to take lumps because they are so young. Uh, when you go into a playoff setting, teams start game planning a little more than they do in the regular season. Uh, you're going to see adjustments. You're going to have to see how those young players um, react to those adjustments. So I, I think you want to get talent around them so that they can go through those learning experiences and, and put yeah. them in a position to succeed. And then when they inevitably fail, because it's going to occur, it's at least something that they can learn from. It's not, oh, well, we didn't have a backup point guard. We weren't in any of those games, right? Like, I'd rather see them lose some closer games in the playoffs and, and learn from that experience. But I, I do think it is a kind of you have to be careful on what type of win now moves you're making. Like, mm-hmm. I, I would personally still be pretty hesitant to give up anybody um, outside of their kind of young core five here, uh, mm-hmm. which I would consider Sexton, Okoro, Mobley, Allen, and Garland. If that player is like on the wrong side of 30 or not someone that you could project kind of growing alongside that core, I'd be pretty nervous to give up one of those guys. So it, it may be the, the best assets that they have right now, uh, unfortunately, is Ricky Rubio as an expiring contract. 
their first round pick for this season. Like those, those type of moves uh, for someone like a Karis Levert, who they've been connected to or uh, kind of a player in that mold, I, I think would be interesting because even if it's just for this season, maybe you can showcase Levert in a better way or a player like that and kind of consolidate some assets for someone that does fit with the the core young long term so uh it, it's going to be an interesting trade deadline how they approach this uh the, there's a lot of different ways for it to go but i am just a little bit nervous because it, it is such a fine balance you don't want to go all in on chris Saps porzingis right mm-hmm. <laughs> or or you know guy who's currently on the lakers <laughs> Which, by the way, <laughs> well, I, I was thinking more about Dallas being like, hey, we got this young rookie yeah. that's so good already. We need to like we, we need to get aggressive. We need to accelerate this timeline. You doing that is the right thing, but you have to be careful. I mean, Anthony Davis in the uh, in New Orleans is a great example of that. Going all in on the wrong guys too soon can really have a tough uh, impact on your ability to build a successful team that's sustainable. Yeah, well, and also like understanding how if you if they are going to go all in mm-hmm. understanding which pieces actually supplement whereas some pieces can hinder you know like so you you mentioned anthony davis and, and him in in new orleans right and, and yeah to a certain extent i understood why they would say all right it's time to win now we have this guy who looks like a a transcendent big and we don't know how long he's going to want to stick around in new orleans Mm-hmm. Let's get this guy as much win now talent as we possibly can. Problem is they got it at like his position. Like they, yeah. they win it <laughs> and, and it makes it tough to really, uh, you know, parlay his talent level. Uh, and, and by the way, like that was in part as, as we find, as we kind of found out so far with him in LA, he wanted a center in, in new Orleans and yeah. he wants other centers on the roster around him. Uh, that's just how that works. And, and so for Cleveland, you know, how they, how they decide to handle the season. And it's tough because like you mentioned, Sexton is, is, is out and the move is probably going to be, and and then you lose Rubio as well. Rubio is such a perfect fit in terms of veteran presence and all of this stuff. And, and there's no guarantee that whatever veteran that you bring in as you try to replace Rubio, or as you try to replace Sexton, there's no guarantee that that veteran doesn't hinder Sexton or Garland at the position that you were now trying to replace Rubio at, you know? Right. So, you know, I just figured I would throw it out there. Kevin Love and uh, Chetty Osman, they, they, they work for Russell Westbrook's contract. I just, you know, oh, I, just, you I, know. I, God, I, I was expecting to save LeBron. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Like yeah. It, I, the reality is right. Like Rondo is not going to replace what Rubio was bringing to the table. Right. And Rubio was already kind of filling in for Sexton as right. that, okay, we're in the half court. Everything's broke down. They they kind of read our first two options. And we need someone to just kind of be a wild card that's going to generate offense in this situation. Rubio was trying to do that Sexton role. And Rondo's definitely not going to be able to do that. So what it's really going to be is just kind of reallocating responsibilities. Because mm-hmm. I, I think you've seen last couple of games since Evan Mobley's come back. Now he's averaging like 21 points per game since he's come back from protocols through four games. He's showing a lot more assertiveness. Mm-hmm. I think you would expect playmaking from Isaac Okoro, although now we're waiting for results <laughs> with him because uh, yeah. he got hurt last night. So uh, you, you would expect other young guys to get some of those developmental and playmaking reps because 
even if they're not equipped to do it right now, even if it means more turnovers and um, less successful possessions than if Rubio was running those, at least they can learn from that, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, you, it's you'd want those mistakes to be made by Evan Mobley so he can learn from it versus having Rondo create that, right? Because yeah. what what are those developmental reps going to do for a veteran like Rondo, right? Yeah. So unless I, like I, Rondo is going back to the huddle and saying, "See how I did that?" You want to do it the opposite way of that. Like generally <laughs> speaking, like that's <laughs> yeah, exactly. But if I had my way, if I was playing two K with this roster and I got to control all their decisions, I think a lot of kind of what you would expect Rondo to do is all right he's obviously not a player that likes to push the pace a whole lot Mm -hmm. uh he's a methodical player he's going to run some pick and roll yeah he he gambles on defense but that matters less when you have Mobley and Allen behind you and Mm -hmm. and you have kind of the the defensive uh capabilities that the Cavs have so you hope that that kind of shelters him because it's sheltered Laurie Markkinen on the wing gambling for steals and getting into passing lanes right so uh you kind of hope for just kind of stability right like there. I think there's going to be a little less variance with Rondo, both good and bad, because Ricky will attempt some outlandish stuff on the basketball court, like (laughs) truly, truly insane stuff. And I I don't think you're going to get that from Rondo. So you're not going to get kind of those wild, wild pick six turnovers that Rubio would throw or uh, the the crazy step back shot attempts and stuff like that. But um, I I do think you're also missing um, some of the upside well, of when some he's of the, actually yeah. completing those plays. Right, right, yeah. The the it they it's the kind of play that you he Rubio makes a ton of those. Like no, no, no. Oh, okay, yeah, sure, yeah, like, absolutely. <laughs> and and Rondo is is yeah, like you're saying, he's a lot more conservative with that stuff. He is very good though, depending on some of the talent around him. So like the Lakers back when they won their championship in the bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't run very often, but when they ran, they were very, very good in those in those opportunities. And I think that it, that was in part largely to all right. It's either LeBron starting that break, or at times it was Rondo starting that break, and he's a very good decision maker in those in those moments. So mm-hmm. if he's running, it's not wasted opportunities like we see with Russ, who. You know, we'll just move on. And so, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Like Rondo kind of matches LeBron in those ways because LeBron teams are deceptively slow normally. Yeah. But what they do do is get out after turnovers, right? Like yep. they will tr- long rebounds. Transi- yeah. They'll seek those transition opportunities out. But if it's not there, Rondo and LeBron will pull it back and run the offense because they have so much confidence in their ability to do that in the half court, right? So mm-hmm. I, I think that does fit kind of with what the Cavs are trying to do. Uh, hopefully Isaac Okoro is going to be around because he's someone that's really kind of excelled in transition lately. And yeah. you'd expect him to play with Rondo. And I, I think that that backcourt uh, with the second unit, uh, Jetty Osman, Kevin Love, and probably Evan Mobley, um, I, I think there's some interesting things that can be done there. But um, yeah, I, I don't expect him to be someone like Russ who's pushing no matter what the defense is giving him. Yep. Well, you, you keep mentioning Love and, and Chetty. We just said you're getting Russ for those guys. Like That's those right. Guys, That's yeah, right. I forgot so, about that. Yeah. Good, we, good. We just got to stay on the same page here. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out, though. Um, I, I, last thing before we move on to LeBron, with this Cavs team and, and with this young core, so one thing that I think Lakers fans, myself included, um, I think didn't quite grasp is how rare it is that these young cores really stick around together. Now it's, mm. it's, it's 
Lakers were a super weird situation because LeBron was clearly pushing to acquire Anthony Davis. So that's not like the cows aren't going to be in that kind of spot either. But it, even regardless of, of, of the differences in those situations, you look at all of the young cores across the league. At some point, one or two of them get moved for a, a, a veteran who can win now, who can push that, that timeline a little further ahead. You said you have that core five. Do you, do you see, do you foresee a, 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 a situation where that core five actually sticks together? Or do you, is there a player in there or a player or two in there that you could see more likely than the others to, to, to help the timeline on different teams? Yeah, I think the core that I would anticipate staying together would mm -hmm. be Garland, Mobley, and Allen. I, yeah, I think those three work together so well. Um, I, I think, like, I, you talked about how Anthony Davis wanted a center next to him. Mm -hmm. um, and I've always kind of viewed, like, even in February uh, of last year, I was talking about how I believe Mobley to be a four. Like, mm -hmm. I, I thought that his upside at the four was so interesting because – it's a unique situation like uh he's so versatile you don't want to put too much wear and tear on his body as well and the fact that the pairing with alan works so well already mm -hmm. is really enticing because you would only expect that he's going to get better offensively he's going to expand his game uh both he and jared allen are, are probably going to improve a little bit in the margins with what they do i, I just think it's a, a really unique big man pairing that if they hit their apex it's the type of kind of roster construction that changes the way that opposing teams have to construct. Cause if you have to go through Cleveland and you have to play against those guys, you have to kind of tailor yeah, your roster construction to address that. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah. that's always been the, the way that I've liked kind of team building is not adapting to what other teams are doing, force yeah. them to adapt to what you're doing. So mm -hmm. I, I think those three are, are kind of the core that I would identify. I, with Okoro and Sexton, like I, I think Sexton getting hurt kind of changes the calculus a little bit because there was obviously, uh, and it's been reported, like one, he was on the trade market to some extent, but mm -hmm. I think what it was wasn't, uh, oh, well, we don't want to pay this guy. So we're, we're just going to kind of look to strip him down for parts. Maybe we can get some picks and whatnot. I, I think it was actually part of a consolidating move, right? Like, mm -hmm. let's go out and see if we can find another young piece, a, a fourth guy to go with them. Uh, my fantasy has always been Brandon Ingram. That, <laughs> I, yeah. Ironically enough, like, I, I think that that would be the, the perfect fit uh, for this team. And whether it's Sexton, Laurie Markkinen, Okoro, the, the picks that they have, um, th those are the type of assets that I would expect for a consolidating move. But you also have to be careful, right? Like you, yeah. you don't want to give up on a guy too soon. Isaac Okoro might be a, a prime example of someone that I'd be nervous to give up on because he's only 20 years old and he's already yeah. an uh, wings, damn near man. elite defender. Yeah, uh, if wings hit, like you do not want to be the team that gave up a wing too early. Right, I exactly. So it, it's it's going to be a fine balance. Um, I, I wouldn't be in a rush to move one of those guys, but if an opportunity came along, because that's the tricky thing too, right? Like you talk about, okay, you want to add a star. Those guys only hit the markets at very specific times. And mm -hmm. you have to be willing to kind of push your chips into the middle of the table when those guys become available. Like if, if Jalen Brown or Brandon Ingram hits the market, like you have to act quickly and you have to give your best offer. So uh, if something like that were to come along, I, I'd be open to it. But 
let's say giving up a coral for Karis Levert, that would be something that I, I wouldn't be comfortable with because you're, yeah. you're talking about 28 year old. Uh, there's less upside there. Injury history. Injuries. I, I don't have to go through the whole resume there, but th- there's a difference between that and maybe some draft capital from, from this season. Yeah. Yeah. That, I'm, I'm, I'm with you pretty much a hundred percent there. It's just, and it's also a matter of like, like the whole reason why you 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 build up stashes of draft capital so that you can be flexible. So if mm-hmm. if a team is like so it, it with Ben Simmons as an is as an example, like they're looking for win now talent. And so if you have win now talent that you can offer them, then cool. If if it's like a Shea Gilgis Alexander, even though he doesn't fit with with Cleveland or whatever, but mm-hmm. but if that is a oh, player me, that Shay would Shay would fit with Cleveland, I'd be all over. Oh well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm fine with him playing with that's Garland. A, that's a fairly yeah. Garland a fairly has learned how to play off ball thanks to Ricky. So <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. If we want to get the uh, best Canadian in the NBA to play for the Cavs, I'm going to yeah. be here for it. Trust me. Yeah. It, well, so so there too though. So like if you if if they want more draft capital, if they want mm-hmm. you know, since Presti is like maybe actually legitimately addicted to uh, draft capital then being able to offer that is is how you go out and get that but being able to be flexible and potentially offer one team one package and another team another kind of package is is that's the whole name of the game while you're while you're building and we saw that with the lakers where like and yes again the lakers were able to get anthony davis in large part because there was some stuff going on beyond uh behind the curtains but you've also looked at some of the guys that were moved there brennan ingram winds up being a, a, a most improved player. Uh, Josh Hart is, I think now, I think he's, he's making 10 really plus well million. Yeah. He's made, he's, he's been really good. So having the type of young talent and developing that young talent and, and, and being able to offer them is, is the whole point of this. That's, yeah. that's what, that's what you're trying to do. Well, and, and it's funny because like people talked about, okay, Garland Sexton, two guys, six, two and under kind of thing. Like, how, how's that going to work? It's a little similar yeah. to Portland. And the issue with Portland wasn't the fact that they kept Dame and CJ together for some time. It's they didn't sell at the right time, right? Like yeah. they didn't do that consolidation move. It wasn't, oh, before they gave CJ a, a second contract, they should have just moved him for a first round pick and tried again with someone else. No, yeah. that that that's not the issue. It's when you hit your ceiling, when you are Lowry and DeRozan and you've hit the ceiling a bunch of years, you make a consolidated move. You try yep. to like use the talent that you've developed that's hit its ceiling to go out and raise that ceiling, right? right. So, uh, I mean, God, you, you talk about Lowry and DeRozan, like moving CJ in first for Kawhi. Maybe that would have been a gamble that mm-hmm. uh, Portland could have made or, or something along those lines. So, uh, it, it's all about finding kind of the, the right opportunity and making sure that you don't hang on too long, but you also don't give up too soon on guys. And yeah. uh, Cleveland's at, at a unique point where uh, the, the fortunate thing for them is when they drafted their franchise player in Evan Mobley, they already had kind of a young core that fit yep. well with him. And, yeah. and that's different than Dallas drafting Luka Doncic, where you get that guy that raises your floor so much right off the bat that it makes it hard to kind of add young talent around them. So the, the mm-hmm. Cavs are in a really unique situation where they have uh, six guys, 24 and under that all fit well with Mobley. And like, that's uh that's a really, really unique situation to be in. Yeah. I, I can't relate. The Lakers. Had, <laughs> I can't remember the last 24 ish year old player that the Lakers had. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, like they're, they're start, their starting five ha- has an average age under 22. Like that's, yeah. That's, that's crazy. That's that, that that doesn't win in the NBA. So 
part of like what we've been trying to f- figure out the season on the chase down is like, what do you do with that? Right. Like yeah. it, it's hard while uh, also to... trying to enjoy it. Like that's the, right. that's <laughs> <laughs> like from, from like a, from like a fan standpoint. And for us, like if we're trying to create content that fans can enjoy, if you spend the whole time thinking like, Ooh, man, you know, so-and-so Okoro in a first rounder, what does that get you? Instead of like stopping and saying, man, Okoro has really taken strides so far this year. Yeah. Like this is something that you have to pay attention to. It's 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 a fun, but it can be a challenging balance to be able to strike. Uh, mm-hmm. There is no such balance of that kind of stuff when the Lakers have LeBron James, though. Like <laughs> it has been, it has been nonstop. Like you know, this year, anytime Tillon Horton Tucker does anything, and I tweet out, you know, hey, that was a solid move from from Taylor. Oh, he finally uses left. Um, the 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 response is almost always from at least one person this means that his trade value just went up, right? Like this is great. And, 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 but that's kind of, you know, again, like we talked about with, with Cleveland and with smart teams as they build, the Lakers have none of that flexibility. It's Mm -hmm. he's the only movable contract. He's the him and none and none is only making about five mil a, a, a season. So, or for the season that makes it really difficult to, to be able to look at Taylor Horton Tucker, the player and not always as, as, Taylor Horton Tucker, the asset, and you know, you have some experience here with, with LeBron and the way that he kind of views teammates and the way that he's always kind of looking for, for the next potential move. When you watch the Lakers and I'm sure you, you do watch the Lakers cause we talk so much behind the scenes when, when you watch the Lakers and you watch Taylor Horton Tucker and, and like the tweets that LeBron will fire off, like, Oh, he is him. This is the guy. <laughs> You know, do you just find yourself kind of chuckling at, all right, this is, this is, uh, we, we've seen this chapter before. Yeah. I, I mean, there's definitely some similarities there. Like I, I've compared LeBron post decision, uh, every year that you have LeBron since that, that day, basically, it's kind of like a night in Vegas, right? Like your assets, <laughs> your, your wallet gets lighter progressively. Yeah. Each progressive year just becomes a little harder and harder to have a good time. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, you not... really only want to spend like three two maybe three nights max in vegas yeah, right so and, like and you really only want to spend like four years max with lebron because otherwise your cupboard's empty y- year four or or <laughs> night four is usually pretty tough if you yeah if you if you're having a good year in year four it's because you had so much many assets going into it <laughs> yeah that you're you're okay burning them right and, and I, I shouldn't say burning them right because like this is kind of the pressure that comes with having one of the greatest players of all time right like yeah it accelerates everything and i i mean as and a fan everything and someone covering him like you almost feel like the pressure to not let him down right like mm-hmm. where it's just uh every move is being analyzed like that on a national stage right yeah. like it's if you make a gamble and it doesn't work out which it seems like that's the case with russell westbrook mm-hmm. it gets talked about in a different way than other teams when they whiff on an an acquisition right like mm-hmm. uh the, the Cavs whiffing on drummond like it didn't cost them a whole lot it, it was just kind of a, a second round pick and john henson but that didn't work out for them and it doesn't get talked about in oh my god they, they're letting down darius garland like it's it's not <laughs> it's not a topic on first take yeah. so um i i do shake my head w- when you see kind of uh the 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 praise of tail and horn tucker because you don't know where it's coming from. Like you have yeah. suspicions, obviously, that it's okay. Like this is our one kind of asset to to go out there and make a swing. But 
the, the one thing I've learned about LeBron is it, it's incredible, though, from a just a roster construction standpoint of how quickly things can change. Like, yeah, you're one in Cleveland acquiring Mozgov, J.R. Shumpert uh, for basically Dion Waiters and a first round pick like that. <laughs> that was definitely a surprising move that changed the roster. 2018 famously like half the team changed. Right. So these things can change in a hurry. It's just there aren't a lot of obvious avenues to towards a dramatic overhaul of this roster and Taylor Horn Tucker kind of being the carrot um, for any move like that is just kind of obvious. Yeah. You could tell it's kind of wearing on him too. Like he's normally mm. really good around the rim and he just, he, he just looks like he's counting his steps out there, but yeah, I, I, I find myself kind of the Lakers won a championship two years ago with an identity that I think uh, was very sustainable. LeBron, wings switchy defenders who can knock down the occasional not like like kcp caruso even ad shot above what they've shot for the entirety of their careers in the bubble Mm -hmm. like everybody did but for those guys everybody did like that's probably a big reason why miami got there right and and in addition to the defensive personnel you had you had a coach that's defense first that that Mm -hmm. really knew how to get the most out of that personnel so when you overhaul that and all of a sudden you have offense first players with a defense first coach and uh so many clashes with styles and whatnot like it's i i still thought it was going to work better than it has but I, I mean, when you look at LeBron all of a sudden missing a bunch of time and AD missing yeah. time, like it, and the younger players that they brought in missing time, that all of a sudden a- the average age of who's on the court just shoots right up, right? And, yeah. and you run into some of the uh, the headaches that they've had. Yeah, it's been it's been a weird year. Like it's just been yeah. it's it's it's. So it's it's a, another damn weird year. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, that too. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's weird across it's the NBA. Off the court. It, yeah. It's, but you know, like, like... <laughs> for the Lakers, especially, it's just been such a weird, you know, bumpy and, and inconsistent season. And we'll mm-hmm. see if it picks up. And I, I'm so Polinka, since he has taken over for magic, hasn't really done anything at the, at the trade deadline, I think this is the first year that that changes. Like they, mm-hmm. it kind of has to. They yeah. they they need more help on the wing. Like Stanley Johnson isn't hasn't been to this point in his career an NBA player. He shows up and immediately looks like a world beater just because the Lakers haven't had that all year. And yeah, I think they need to. The, if they can find a better Stanley Johnson on the, on the on the market, then great. That's <laughs> that's please. Let's see. Yeah, I, I actually I, I don't hate the Stanley Johnson move because I I thought he gave pretty good minutes in Toronto. And because mm-hmm. of that, it kind of makes me feel like there's a decent chance that this can work out in L.A. Yeah. because uh, what Toronto has is that structure, right? Like they, they, everybody knows what they're doing, what they, they're supposed to be doing on the core, where they're supposed to be. And he's someone that absorbed that when he was yeah. in Toronto. So when you do have someone like LeBron that, that's out there that's going to be coaching on the sidelines and whatnot, like I have faith in his ability to follow what the assignment is. And that's something that the Lakers have needed. But I, I completely agree, right? Like, you need someone with a little more upside than that. Like, yeah. he can fill in some he can fill in some cracks and whatnot. But he's not really raising your ceiling, which when you have LeBron in, in what, I guess, the late stage of his career, that's the only thing you care about is raising your ceiling and actually competing for a championship. And certainly the Lakers as a franchise, that's the standard, right? Like, yep. all that matters is championships. Yeah. We'll see where they go. We'll, we'll, we'll see where they go. All right, let's wrap up here. Um, as you guys know, I, uh, Harris, as 
Harrison just loves reminding everybody. I am I am kind of internet infamous for that stupid layup that <laughs> just will never die. Um, I, actually, I, I saw I hadn't seen the version of it recently in, in a little while since that that Pete analyzed Pete. I oh want I God, want I, I would <laughs> I would love to see Pete shoot a layup just like Pete. <laughs> come on. Um, but any, anyways, I love Pete. <laughs> me too. And, and that breakdown is just. <laughs> perfect so absolute perfect yeah he, he nailed it it's the thing that pisses me off like i <laughs> i went the wrong direction um all right so uh that is that is the you know how we wrap up every show here i i i laugh at myself for that layup and then we laugh it at the guest for for their kind of layup moment so do you justin have a uh have a embarrassing sports moment that j- uh jumps off of, uh, the top of your head I'm going to go two for one here. So right. I, I'm going to give you my most embarrassing with the press pass, which was the first time I covered a game uh, mm-hmm. with a press pass. First time in the locker room. I went to talk to Anthony Bennett and mm-hmm. I sat down in Anderson Verzhao's locker because I'm lazy. And I'm like, you know, what? I'm going to sit down next to AB and I'm, I'm just going to ask him <laughs> questions this way. And then like midway through, realized I probably shouldn't be playing <laughs> sitting in Verzhao's locker. <laughs> I'm an idiot. Uh, I'm, I'm dumber than you could ever give me credit for. So that's that's, did, that's like, story one. Story did, did Bennett two. did Bennett like say anything? Did anybody say anything, or was it something like as you're sitting there, like you know what this? It dawned on me. It, I came by it honestly. No one said anything. <laughs> Luckily, Verjao wasn't around. No PR person came running over or anything like that. So that was good. But that that that's embarrassing moment number one okay. embarrassing moment number two playing uh rec league basketball or community basketball in the summer uh between high school um i was in a game where i had a game-winning shot and i felt like i was fouled i felt like i i got mm-hmm. slapped on the arm and the game went to ot um it was the first time my grandparents uh were, were watching <laughs> one of my games and i was really really frustrated and in ot the, it just didn't go our way. We had to intentionally foul. I was one foul away from fouling out, and I was yelling for our guard to foul the guy with the ball. He yeah. did not. I was so frustrated. I ran up and I clotheslined the guy, oh, took no. off my jersey because it was the last game of the year, <laughs> threw it, and ran out, like stormed out of the gym, which, yeah, in front of my grandparents. <laughs> and the best part was because I stormed out of the gym, I still had my bag had come back. with all my stuff like on the bench. So I had to kind of stroll back into the gym all shamefully, make it back to my bag and put on my street clothes because I'm I'm not walking out of there shirtless with just right. my, my basketball shoes and shorts. Uh, yeah. So that uh, that was a real great and that was the only time uh, that set of grandparents watched me play basketball. So that, <laughs> that was a, it. a really like, good impression. I, we, you know what, Justin, we're, we're not going to go and see any more of your games. No, no, no. <laughs> what, did they say anything? Like, did they? Did they? Oh no, no. There, there was no comment. They, they, they it just, it just kind of sat there awkwardly. I, I thanked them. I thanked them for coming out and seeing the game, and then left. Did you, did you put your shirt on before or after you thanked them? Like, did... I, I'm pretty sure before. I'm, I'm hopeful that before, but my memory is a little foggy on that instance. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, I was a little frustrated. I, That's I, amazing. I didn't, I didn't love losing. Uh, oh yeah, no. <laughs> there, there was a does. reason for Rashid Wallace was my favorite player <laughs> at that time. I wonder if Rashid had any of those moments in front of his grandparents. Like if if his grandparents just after a while just said like this is this is our grandson. This is who we have to root I, for. I, I would assume so. I would assume so. So maybe, maybe I was making Sheed proud, yeah. but I, I made myself look like an idiot. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, 
thank you very much for being a sport about that. And thank you very much for hopping on, uh, given how busy everybody is at this stage. Um, best of luck continuing to cover the, the Cavs. Again, that's the Chase Down Pod. He is Justin Rowan. He is at Cavs Anita on, on Twitter. So normally, there's like a few people that I always just kind of chuckle at uh, because Lakers Twitter just happens to be really angry at somebody. And <laughs> it's like one out of every like five times is 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 you. So yeah, that, 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 that sounds about right. That uh, the first year of LeBron in L.A. was uh, was an yeah. interesting one. And uh, the, the victory the, the lap I took and... was pretty obnoxious. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's either like you more will hop in there every so often matt obviously is is somebody who gets but but like you're one of my favorite ones because i find myself laughing at at the thing that like there's some like sometimes the, I'll, I'll see some stuff that lakers twitter is kind of dunking on and i go like oh well that was just kind of a lame tweet but normally if it's if it's you that they're trying to dunk on i'm just sitting there like this is not gonna end well guys like, we, can, <laughs> we can find somebody else um, it's because I, I don't care about destroying myself in the process. <laughs> Clearly, you can't hurt me. You I live in the misery. Like, what are you going to tell me that the Cavs sucked? Like, yeah, I know. It, it's why I recognize sucking so yeah, well. I, you were, I, I you witnessed were, it. You were willing to 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 embarrass yourself in front of your grandparents. Twitter's nothing. Exactly. Twitter's yeah. nothing. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Anthony Irwin Show. Uh, we are going to be back. I'm going to record a lowdown here in a second as well as the Lakers get ready for uh, the first full week of 2022. And until you get to all of that, I'm Anthony Irwin. That was Justin, and this was the Anthony Irwin Show.